law of attraction and you want to start playing around with manifesting, the first you know piece of this is to ask, believe that it's on the way, and then hold the faith. So the holding the faith is like the hardest part, I think, for people, because you can't look at your current environment and acknowledge what is, or it doesn't come. You really have to keep faith in the, in the unseen. Welcome to Simply Woke, a podcast about awakening experiences. These are the transformative events that connect us to our spiritual selves and personal truths. I'm Alessandra Johnston, and each week I speak with a different guest about how they woke up, what happened, what they learned, and how it shifted their life. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hi there, I'm Alessandra Johnston, your host for Simply Woke, and I am so, so grateful that you are taking the time to listen today. Perhaps you're in the car or you're cleaning up. Anyway, I am just happy to be here with you at this moment. And today is the very first episode where I share someone else's story. And if you haven't yet heard mine, then go back and take a listen to episode 001 to hear how I woke up to my own truth. My guest today is someone whom I really admire. Her name is Andrea Crowder, and she is a super successful network marketer. I've been friends with her for several years on Facebook, and she always posts the most positive, loving, awesome posts. I enjoy her message of prosperity and self-belief. I love women who are unabashedly themselves and who shine their light fully, and she is one of these women that just steps into her own light and lets it shine. When I first started to follow her, she would post a lot of Christian material, and over the years, I noticed a shift from very Christian to more kind of woo-woo, new-agey type posts. All are still super positive and empowering and motivating, but I noticed that this shift was occurring during my own shift, and I was super curious about her story. And so I'm really happy that she accepted my invitation to come on here and share her story with me. Her story is one of transformation from being super faithful to completely faithless. She had a teenage pregnancy in which she felt that her son saved her life. Her husband is a total and complete atheist, yet still loves and supports all her woo-woo ways. So without further ado, uh, here's my chat with Andrea Crowder. Good, but thank you so much for, uh, for chatting with me. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm excited for you and your podcast. Congrats. Thank you. Perhaps we could start uh, if you could just tell us how you went from faithful to faithless and what happened during that time. Yeah, so I grew up in a Christian church on my dad's side of the family. And then I grew up with a Mormon Mormon mother who didn't go to church often, but still believed in the Mormon faith. And we still had the church kind of as a part of our life. When my mom was getting divorced and we were kind of moving off into an apartment on our own, really just like starting over, moved cities, schools, friends, everything. The Mormon church was really very supportive. They helped us move. They helped us move in. But I did go to church consistently with my dad when I was at his house. My parents were divorced and they 
I was at my dad's house every other weekend. So every other weekend I was in a traditional Christian church and was raised very, very like strict Christian, like no skirts above the knees, um, like purity rings, no sex until you're married. And I was really, really, you know, very into my Christian faith. I was constantly talking to God as if like God was right there. And I remember we used to walk to the bus stop and, you know, you start school at like, sometimes you're on the bus at 630 in the morning. So it's still dark out and walking to the bus stop in the ghetto, (laughs) this like little, you know, 13, 14 year old girl, just kind of walking to the bus stop. It really, I very, I felt very, very vulnerable. And I found a tremendous amount of comfort on those walks every single day, just by like talking to God. When I fell in love with my husband, I really didn't necessarily foresee that like we were going to get married. The, I, I went through a let's go ahead and rebel against everything very, very strict in my life as soon as I moved out of my parents' house for the first time. My mom was very, very strict in raising me. And my dad was obviously strict at his house. So once I had a little bit of taste of freedom, I didn't really know how to handle it. And it was just like, let me try all the human experiences that I can possibly cram into my life all at once. And I did it very quickly. And it started with, you know, a lot of alcohol and then later on drugs and not necessarily like my proudest moments in life, but God blessed me with a teenage pregnancy. (laughs) I didn't know it at the time, but my son, I swear to God, my son was just like sitting there, sitting there, like looking at me, like, God, tag me in. It's time to like, she needs to kind of get her shit straight. And really, I I tell my son all the time, he was an angel. He literally saved my life because there were definitely times where I woke up the next morning and I'm like, how did I survive? How did I not overdose? It was really, really, really intense. And all of my friends, I will kind of verbally say air quotes around that were, you know, people who were in that terrible lifestyle as well. And it was like, we, none of us were any good for each other. So when I got pregnant, I actually got pregnant by one of my brother's friends and like, we were living together and like the whole proximity, I thought he was cute. I really didn't have very um, high standards at the time when it came to, you know, who I would sleep with. I found sex very empowering because I felt like this is the one area of my life that I feel strong and I feel like I can have control. And so I felt like it was very empowering thing. So I really, it wasn't like I was looking for love and relationships. I was looking for a sense of control. I wasn't thinking like, oh, I'm going to get pregnant. P.S. If you think that you can't get pregnant from pre-com. Yes, you can. <laughs> I hope we can say that on here, but ladies. The pull-out method is completely ineffective. <laughs> so, so yeah, he actually, I, I got pregnant and I found out after his previous girlfriend had just announced that she was pregnant. So within two weeks of each other, he had two girls pregnant and he was about to like lose his mind. He was like, it's not my kid. He called me a liar. I was like, F you, I'm out of here. And then I left and I moved back in with my mom and I stayed close to my current husband. He kind of walked away from me because he knew like I wasn't ready for a real genuine relationship and I wasn't, he was right. He did the right thing. 
Um, but we stayed close and he, he still just loved me for who I was. And like, if he could love me, truly love me where I was at in that time in my life, like he can love me through anything. And he has, when I really, truly deeply felt like this is the person that I want to marry and that I want to be with. I remember I used to pray before I would, before we got married, like God help me change his mind. Like help me become a, help me help him to become a Christian. And like, what do I say? What do I do? And like, I would cry myself to sleep while I was because he was an atheist, right? Yes. Okay. He he's just doesn't believe in anything. He okay. thinks that like when we die, we, like our bodies go to the ground, that's that. So he's a very, very practical, scientific, logical type of brain. And he just like can't wrap his, you know, mind around like there's this big God in the sky or like the universe is like arranging things in our favor, or, like whatever we want to call it. He just like can't get his, his energy behind that. I thought like my role in his life was going to be to like spiritually save him. I thought like it was my job to save his soul from burning in hell for all of eternity. And after a while, like there was no convincing. I think we all know that if you have had any type of, you know, any lengthy living to do, you know, there's no convincing people into religion or your political side. Like you can't talk someone out of their beliefs. And so then I would just cry and beg. I'm like, I can't talk to him about it. So I would lay there in bed at night and just beg him, like, please come to church. I can't just have this short life with you. And then the rest of eternity, I'm going to go to heaven and you're going to burn in hell. Like, I just couldn't resolve that. And it was crushing me for years. This was crushing me. And finally, I just said, like, forget it. Like, if he's not going to heaven, I'm not going to heaven. It was like, peace out, God. Peace out, church. I couldn't wrap my head around like this man who loved me at my worst. He was a really exceptional human being. He's had this exceptional military career, very, very generous, would like do give the shirt off his back for a friend. And he was going to burn in hell for the rest of eternity. Like, fuck everyone that says that. I just couldn't be a part of that message anymore. And so I walked away for a really long time, but I felt very, very. I felt like something was missing. I felt like there was an emptiness inside of me that I just couldn't peg. And I felt fake because I just didn't feel like I could get my full authenticity around like who I am as a human being, but I didn't quite understand why I was still like, who am I as a woman? Who am I as a human being, as a mother? And I remember going to my visit my dad over I think it was over Thanksgiving and my dad still goes to church every single Sunday. So if you're visiting, we're all going to church together. And I showed up and the kids um, went to, you know, the little daycare area. And then I sat in the pews and everybody started to sing. It was normal part of church. You know, they start with the, the hymns. And as soon as they started to sing, it was like ugly Kim K cry in the pews, but as silently as possible so that nobody would know the person next to them as they're like happy, smiling, you know, singing. And I'm sitting here like singing and like sobbing, like snot coming down, but I didn't want to sniff because I didn't want anybody to like, know. <laughs> like I'm not a crier in public, but I knew right then, like, this is what I've been missing. I've been missing having my faith in my life. And like, I believe Christianity was 
just like the next building stone for me to continue to involve, evolve into what, you know, who I believe to be now. And I don't know who I'll be next year, but I'm totally fine with like the evolution process. Whereas before, like with my strict, strict, very religious beliefs, there was a lot of like shoulds and shames and shouldn'ts. And I, I live a very different lifestyle now, but like the church, the Christian church, like I have such a beautiful place for in my heart and still love to go to church and still listen to my pastor's podcasts. And, and I love it so, so much. And I think it is still a, a appreciated, beautiful part of my life, but I don't necessarily label myself with a religious name anymore. I don't, I don't claim a club. So to Fair enough. you don't follow the dogma of it. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so after this moment in church, that way, that's the one that you would say was the moment you're like, I need this back. So what did you start doing to get it back in your life? When I went home, I started kind of going to, to church a little bit more, but I still hadn't found the church that I felt like, okay, this is, this is it. It was just more of like a ritual and a practice. And, and I found some value in it. And, and really it was always like the music, music really moves my soul. And so that was a piece that I craved and I would, and I went, but it wasn't like still an outward part of who I am. Like I wasn't posting on Facebook talking about like who I am as a, as a faith driven woman for sure. Until we moved to DC and I found the church there who is led by Mark Batterson. And he, I just really, really felt like he spoke my language. I felt like I could be imperfect in his church. I felt like he said things in a way that like I could really take scripture that felt like such a foreign language to me and probably a lot of people because it was written so long ago. And I felt defeated by the the Bible because I'm like, I know what these words mean to me right now, but what did these words mean, you know, so many years ago? It's not the same. And so like, you almost have to be a historian. You can't read the Bible verbatim no. and, and know what it means because it doesn't mean today what it meant when it was written. He did have that very like historian type of mind, but he did it in a way where he was such a beautiful storyteller and like said things in ways that I could really truly understand that resonated with me. I've kind of always intuitively checked in with my body to see like, does this resonate or not? How do I feel when this is said? Does it feel right? Does it feel wrong to me? And a lot of what he said just felt like it really, really resonated. What's the crux of his message? Because like when I go to church with my husband, like each of his brothers, they each go to different churches and each church is, I find, very different. So what's the crux of his message? I don't know that it, there was like one that you could specifically, specifically label, but if you looked at like him as an author, because he's written so many books, it's really about like courage and faith in the unseen and like living your best life, which I could really relate to because that was right at the time where I was starting to build a business. And I'm like, okay, now I have to step into really unfamiliar territory. I'm not at it. I, I don't have a boss telling me what to do. I kind of have to figure things out for myself as the boss. And so that was a very, very aligned kind of spiritual teacher for me because he really kind of taught you how to have like God-sized dreams and to find a tremendous amount of courage. It was like every Sunday I would sit down and 
National Community Church is the name of the church. And he, and they were all in theaters. So it was almost like it lended itself to like telling a story or you like, you're going through a movie. And I was like, this relates so, so well to me stepping into totally unfamiliar territory in a business perspective. And also I don't do anything that doesn't have intense emotion attached to it. So my business couldn't just be like an exchange of goods for money. It had to have like a deep meaning. Why am I here? What is the greater vision and purpose of who I am and how I want to help people? And he really helped me define that message and make my business, not just about me, my business financially was able to, and has been able to bless thousands and thousands and thousands of people through the money that I've earned and the money that I've donated or through the teaching that I've been able to reteach and gift to people through YouTube and Facebook and podcasts and stuff like that. So he really set the tone of what that could look like for me in a way that felt deep and purpose-driven. And was it during one of his services that you had the moment where you heard God say that you need to give away all your money? Yes. (laughs) He... Um, I was reading his book called The Circle Maker, and part of it was saying when he had started his church, it was like this teeny little church. They weren't making any money yet. There was, you know, maybe a handful of people coming to service, and now he has like many, many, many theaters that he sells out his podcast and is like a best talent, like small, humble beginnings was such a great example for me, even starting a, a parallel for business. And he would talk about like giving when you didn't have money to give. And it really hit my heart very strongly where I'm like, I feel very called to follow in that footsteps and to see like how that would play out. And I was like, okay, God, like saying I was praying on my way to church and my atheist husband kicked me out that door that morning and told me to go to church. He's like, you need Jesus in your life today. I was like, who are you to talk? (laughs) He's always been very supportive of my faith. So I was on my way to church and I was like, okay, God, like get really specific with me. I've been such a, I've always had such like a, a, like a friendship dialogue with God when I would speak and I would ask or demand even saying like, I feel prompted. I feel called, but I need clarity. I need specifics. I don't want to sit here wondering like, should I, shouldn't I, was that a sign? Was that a sign? No, I want to know firmly, like clearly, yes, this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. So I demand that type of communication and I get it every time I'm very, very demanding. So I was sitting in the pews when I got to church with my kids. And, and I remember just saying again, like, okay, here I am. I'm at church. Like, what do you want from me? Like, how much am I supposed to give? And that's when I heard like the auditory sound in my head, all of it. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I, then I was like, no, I didn't hear that. That was me. That was me in my own head. I don't know why I would think that. And then when the um, service started, a gentleman came out and was talking up and telling a story of a young girl that they were trying to bring from the States over from Africa because she had witnessed her family being shot in the head and killed. And they were trying to you know, bring her to the U.S., get her adopted, and really support children who are now orphaned, essentially. So I heard this story, and I was like, okay, obviously I was meant to be here today, and I can get, you know, my head around that. But I remember my second prayer that day was, okay, God, if you're going to tell me you have to give all our money away, because we were supposed to be going to 
Italy to see our friends get married. And previous to that, I had heard an audible voice saying like, you can't go to Italy. And I was like, what? Again, like, I'm not trying to hear that. I definitely made that up because we are going to Italy. And so when I realized that like, I was going to have to give this money away, I understood why we couldn't you know, move forward with this trip because it was the first time we had ever saved up for anything. We had $4,000 and some change. and It was the most money that we had ever saved up. And it felt so huge and significant to us when we were living paycheck to paycheck, knowing that where the money had to go was very significant. I remember firmly praying again and those chairs saying, okay, God, if you want me to do this, you're going to have to call my husband first because... He's going to need some prepping for this conversation to tell my atheist husband that God told me to give all of our money away and that he's just going to be like, sure. (laughs) No, like anybody else would think you're a psycho. (laughs) So what did he say? I called him as soon as we got out and I explained to him what was going on. And the only thing he said back to me was just don't use our debit card. He's like, transfer the money to our credit card and then use that balance on the credit card. So he said, so you, yeah. <laughs> so you took this giant leap of faith. Mm-hmm. And then what happened? And then over the next, over the course of the next year, my business exploded. Like my business started becoming very profitable very, very, very quickly. And the day that we were supposed to be in Italy, again, I almost didn't go to church. And I, again, my atheist husband was like, you need some Jesus, get out of here. And like pushed me out of out of the house. And I was like, okay. So I showed up, I went to church and had we been in Italy this weekend, I would have missed the full circle miracle. I wouldn't have been able to like really truly witness the final piece of it. And that was that while on a day that I had missed, I hadn't heard anything updated about what had happened with this girl. If she got adopted, if she was in the States, no updates had been given that I was present for in church. And so I heard them tell the story saying that the man had come back, um, who was a part of this particular organization and was giving an update and said that another couple, it was their first time ever visiting church on a weekend when I wasn't there. And they actually needed a host family immediately before they could even bring the girl to the U S and put her on U S soil. So they needed someone to step up and be like her legal host family. So this other couple, and it just happened to be their first time ever visiting this church, was like, we really feel called to be the people to do this. So it was like crazy that they would even show up at the exact right day. And then the gentleman, we were so late to church that day that the only spots left were in the very back row in the nosebleed section. Thank God. Because like, again, Kim K. Ugly Cry was happening because then they bring this little girl out who's wearing the most beautiful pink like legit princess barbie dress that i had ever seen and they introduced her to the church first time that i ever saw like a walk in faith miracle where we think like miracles don't happen this day and age like you can't even imagine like all the different faith elements of nobody knowing what the next step could have been and the fact that i heard don't go to italy give all your money away. And had I been in Italy, I would have never met this girl. So I just walked up after church after I had like wiped all of the snot and tears off of my face and asked if I could just take a picture with them. I didn't tell them that I, I, we had donated the money anonymously. I didn't tell them who I was. 
And it wasn't just cool because I got to see all of that happen. It was cool because my kids were a part of every piece of it. They knew like mommy, they emptied their bank accounts that day too, the same day that we did. They're little, they're little piggy banks, right? They were little at the time. And that's so important to teach them that too. Yeah, totally. So that was like the big, you know, full circle moment where I really started seeing like things get organized by the universe in the favor of like the highest possible outcome for people and really trusting intuition and and learning how to tap into my intuition and know like when it's right, when it feels right, when it feels wrong, when it feels like it doesn't make any sense, but you know, it's right anyway. And like taking the plunge, it was one of those moments where you feel honored that like the universe kind of like conspired you to be a piece of that story. Something so special. Yeah. And wonder, oh, that's such an, yeah, that's a wonderful story. I love that story. So I've noticed that throughout our time of being Facebook friends that you used to post a lot of very Christian inspired posts and throughout time you've gotten a lot more new agey. Yeah. And so what, what conspired you to kind of go more that route or what attracted you? The area that I still felt like I didn't have resolved for me was like, according to Christian faith, my husband's still going to burn in hell according to, you know, the Bible. So, and there's so many pieces of the Bible where it feels like it does resonate for me. And then there's pieces of the Bible where it doesn't. And, you know, if you talk to some Christians, they would say, if you don't believe in all of it, you can't have any of it. And I'm just like, at that point, I was like, whatever, I don't need to be a part of a club anyway. My relationship with God is a very personal relationship. It always has been since I was a little girl and I was walking on those scary streets to the bus stop. Like I knew God had my back and I knew God didn't need me to claim a name. I knew that beyond a shadow of a doubt, it resonated in every cell of my body. And as I started reading, I remember I watched the movie, The Secret, and I was like, I kind of didn't necessarily say, oh my God, this is going to change my life, but it, it planted a seed. And I kind of just started playing around with it. I'm like, well, let me just kind of test some of these concepts. And one day I like manifested a protein sandwich from Panera Bread, (laughs) like just super silly. And then I was like trying to kind of play around with like pretending that my bills would come in the mail and like I would celebrate them and feel kind of better around money. Not like this was a deficit, but more like an investment. But one day I showed up to work. I was still working a full-time corporate job. And I was normally one of the first people there because I wanted to leave early and get home to my kids. And I was like, that's weird. Somebody took my parking spot, all the parking spots in the whole open garage because nobody else was there. I was like, why would they be in my spot? So many other spots available. And I was like, whatever. So instead of taking a right into my spot, I took a left and I parked and I opened the door and I looked on the ground and there was a wad of cash. It wasn't, you know, hundreds or thousands, but it was like 30 something dollars in a big wad. And I was like, random. And I was like, how odd that the one time ever, it was like the universe was redirecting me and telling me, don't park there. Don't park there because you asked for surprise money. And I was like, uh, okay. That's when I started to think like this whole law of attraction thing, there's something to it. Even still through all of that, I was starting to see like biblical support of like asking you shall receive. And like, there are a lot of scriptural verses, especially in any chapters where they're, you know, describing Jesus's life. 
And so it was like, okay, this is starting to make sense even within like my, my Christian teachings. Then I started picking up books by Wayne Dyer. And like, I've heard of a lot of people bawling when like celebrities die. But when Wayne Dyer died, I cried. I was like, this man changed my life because he allowed me perspective to see my relationship with my mom in a different possibility. Like my mom went deep into drugs in my later years. I felt like I lost a decade with her because she was walking around like a zombie. Like it was very, very challenging for me because we were very close growing up. I felt like it was almost like she had died because she wasn't really there, mm-hmm. but I was, could still see her. And it was so frustrating because I'm the doer in the family. And I was like, well, I have to save her. And I couldn't, I couldn't do that for her. And it like really, really separated us for a long time. And the first time I heard him talk about his estranged relationship with his dad and how he believed that his dad's role had to be played out that way. So Wayne could become this type of person, another ugly cry moment. I'm like, if this could be true, then it would make so much sense why my mom went through this. Cause my mom, like her children have always been everything to her mm-hmm. and to see like who I had to step up and become because she fell so hard and she wasn't standing up as the matriarch of our family anymore. And I then kind of needed to for my little brother and my sister and everybody. It made a lot of sense where I'm like, I don't know if this is true or not, but I'm just going to choose to believe this because I need peace because I can't hurt like this anymore. And really started, you know, listening to Louise Hayes and Marianne Williamson And then Abraham Hicks entered my life, blew my mind. And I almost need to just say enough said at that point. (laughs) I remember the first time when I started to really listen to Abraham Hicks and I started, it was one of the first teachings that I really resonated with Mm -hmm. because I like you, I wasn't raised uber Christian or anything, but my father's Catholic. I'd go to church and I just, I just remember feeling very, it was very hypocritical to me. Yeah, And so, and that whole fear-based notion, I just never understood either. That That's the biggest area where I feel like, I think if you're going to be leading a spiritual or religious re- revolution, you should take some marketing classes. <laughs> you do have to sell people on an, on an idea. And there are a lot of people who are really bad at it. <laughs> I could have been like your biggest freaking, you know, um, supporter, but like when you start to, When you start to try to lead through fear, saying, if you don't, you go to hell, that's not the way to get people on your side. (laughs) Well, it obviously worked, unfortunately, for centuries, but I think people are starting to realize that, you know what, it's it's not the way it has to be, and and God is love. Yes. You kind of got really into crystals. Yes. I love crystals, and actually, I've loved like gems and crystals since I was a little girl, I never understood like the, the frequency or like the energetic properties that were associated with them or anything um, until just recently in the last couple of years, really. But it was just, I always love like the beauty of them and the fact that literally the earth like births these things. And I always just found that so intriguing that like the earth just like gives us everything that we need. And me being someone who did in my later years start to lean more towards natural way of living after having lots and lots of doctors, you know, not be able to help me with like weird symptoms. I did start looking for more alternative methods for 
healing and found this whole world where I'm like, this feels so much more aligned and it feels more like an alignment with like what I believe as far as like manifesting and intentions. And so crystals for me became just like something fun to experiment with. Um, And then they became like a fun daily part of my life. I find them in a, a fun way for me to continue to practice intention in my life. And that's really kind of the, the way that I utilize them. So what do you do with them, with the crystals and the intention? It depends. Like, so let's say, for example, you're learning law of attraction and you want to start playing around with manifesting. The first you know, piece of this is to ask, believe that it's on the way, and then hold the faith. So the holding the faith is like the hardest part, I think, for people, because you can't look at your current environment and acknowledge what is, or it doesn't come. You really have to keep faith in the, in the unseen, almost like you, you order something online, but it's coming from China, right? Like it's not an Amazon delivery that you're going to get the next day. So you have to have a little bit of patience. Well, if you order it from, you know, overseas and it might take a week or, you know, 10 days or so, you're not sitting there stressed out that it's not coming. You're not like, am I worthy to get my package? Like, but we do that when it comes to like manifesting new things into our life. What does this mean about me? Am I good enough? Will it come fast enough? It's not here. So it's probably not coming. I'm not good at this. This doesn't work. Crystals are something that are really fun and pretty. They also help kind of stabilize our frequency. Everything is energy. This is just science, not Andrea's popular opinion, but everything is energy. And so a crystal has like a stable frequency when it comes to their energy. If I pick up a clear quartz, like the the frequency that you can measure from it isn't going to go up and down like crazy, like a human being would because we have emotion and our emotion can like cause our frequency to go up and down. So if you're thinking stressful thoughts, then your frequency is going to go down and down and down. If you're stressed, if you're depressed, if you're anxious, if you're angry, all of those are low vibration frequencies and are going to attract things of like matter to it. So that's why if you're having a bad day, it seems like it only seems to get worse. And if you're having a great day, it seems like it only seems to get better, right? Crystals are the thing where Number one, the stable energy, if you're like keeping it near your physical body, it can help stabilize your frequency to something that you desire. Maybe it's like a health intention. Maybe it's a money intention. But it all comes back down to a feeling. So if I want to feel the feelings of wealth, I might pick up my big, hunky, chunky piece of pyrite right here. And it looks like gold, otherwise known as fool's gold. And it's beautiful and it feels super like luxe and vibey. And I could just sit here and just like be in the energy and close my eyes and like imagine like feeling abundant and like that feeling once I'm consistent with that feeling over enough period of time, it starts to attract more like things. So the crystal for me is like about holding the intention until it manifests. It's keeping your attention there. It's keeping the faith and reminding you to constantly put your attention back on it. So that if you're asking the universe for like 60 things a day and you feel like your life is crazy and out of whack, it's because you haven't held the attention to any one thing over a, a, over a length of time in order for it to get to you. So it's really about keeping intention and attention together long enough for it to actually make it to you. Makes total sense to me. I understand. And so you would like to wear your crystals on you. Yes. Especially in your bra 
very convenient place for them. <laughs> Fair enough. But then they would fall out. Right. You came up with a solution. Correct. My co-founder and I, Blair Dreesen, are um, starting a company called Spiritually Intimate. And we are manufacturing a bra that has a pocket for our crystals so that when you take your bra off, they don't go flying all over the floor and either break or get lost or fall out in the toilet. My poor atheist husband just gets put through the ringer. He actually reached into the toilet one time right after I had peed and it fell into the toilet and he just didn't want the toilet to get broken. So he's just like, I don't want to fix the toilet. So he saved my crystal. I like to tell the story as like, he was my hero for the crystal. (laughs) He saved the crystal, not the toilet, but whatever. He saved it nonetheless. (laughs) Good atheist husband. I know. (laughs) he's your friendliest one <laughs> but he must not be that I mean obviously I don't know him I've never met him but he can't be that atheist if he obviously supports you so much he loves me he loves how crazy I am because he thinks it's funny once I let down my guard and I realized like I didn't believe anymore and like the physical place of hell I think that you can be living in hell on earth, depending on if you're living in fear. And I truly, truly believe that because I've lived it. I think that once I let go of that notion that when he died, we were going to be separated, our relationship got so much better. And as I became a better marketer, I actually became a better wife because I understood that people don't do things because you tell them to people do things because you live an example that they feel that they, they, that they would like to aspire to either become or to have. Yeah. So you're feeling joyful. You're feeling happy. And therefore everybody else is feeling joyful and happy. Exactly. And when there's a lighter energy in the house where it's not like do because I tell you to, or doing it out of fear that something bad will happen, it's a different energy. It changes yeah. your life. Absolutely. And that was, it was that one live when with you and Jeremy, when you were talking about your, your spiritual differences and how you kind of reconcile that. And you basically said, he recognizes that this makes me happy. And right. I was actually getting into a fight with my husband at that time because I was all of a sudden exploring this whole new world and he was kind of freaked out by it. And I told him, I'm like, it's, it makes her happy and it makes me happy too. once that came out and he was like and then it was all it was all good if you both can agree that it is your job to make yourself happy it is your spouse's job to make themselves happy if you're trying to block that you're really doing yourself a disservice because it's going to create conflict for both of you and the same way that I could be mad that he doesn't want to play with crystals he can be mad that I do like what is the point it's not going to and the funny part is is like if it's a full moon he'll be like don't forget to put your crystals outside and charge them like he doesn't believe that anything's happening with them but like it's just a part of our like banter back and forth and like he wears these cat shirts that I literally cannot stand or he hasn't actually worn them in a while but for many years it was like the bane of my existence but I realized like it really genuinely just makes him happy he has such a serious job being in the military that to come home and have that just like light-hearted playfulness of like cats with like farting rainbows I'm just like oh I married a child he literally saves humans lives. Like he's a badass. And I just had to finally say, 
he needs this. This is important for him. Who am I to tell him he can't wear a shirt? Like if it makes him happy, that's the least that I can do. It takes time. You really do have to update them. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I agree. Uh, So if people want to find you, where can they find you? My favorite spot to hang out in the whole social world is on Instagram. So you can either follow our new company, and I highly recommend you do, because when we launch the Crystal Bras, we are going to do a soft launch first with very limited quantities. So if you're interested in being one of the first to grab one, then get on the wait list there, and you'll also get a rad little discount code that we'll send out before we do the launch. So that's at Spiritually Intimate. You can find me there on that page or my personal page, which is where, you know, I'm just like a psycho nerd with all things crystals, but life too, family. And it's just like a wild reality, crazy show that is just kind of a fun space to hang out. That's at love underscore Andrea Crowder. Thank you so much, Andrea. You're welcome. Thank you. I think what I love most about Andrea's story is first off how in tune she is with her own soul connection and how she realized how much she missed it. I really believe that we all need that connection and yet so many of us are missing it. But I love how she was able to relinquish the old ideas that just didn't sit with her anymore and yet still embrace the ideas of love and guidance that is inherent in the Christian faith. I also feel that her relationship with her husband is a testament to the fact that you have, that you can have a positive, loving relationship with people who don't necessarily believe what you believe, and that she never felt that she was better or more awakened than him, and that she truly accepted him for who and what he is, and he has done the same in return. So... We've made it to the end, and since you're here and still listening, I figure you must have enjoyed it. So if you have a moment, please take a minute to go to iTunes and rate it and review it, or share this episode with someone who might need to hear it. Again, thanks for listening. Enlighten love. I'll see you next week. Zero, zero, one.